Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, people, you know that sound that is the unfiltered band. It means another episode unfiltered coming your way right here and now. It is episode number 73, unfiltered live Monday morning Cracker Jacks. Thank you, unfiltered band, for jumping on board. You can hop on board the unfiltered revolution at all times. Get in on Twitter at Casey Stern if you're there now, if you're listening in the podcast, everywhere that you can get uh, your pods on Apple spotify everywhere else obviously you could jump in the youtube channel as well subscribe like the videos give me ideas you can get on board that is in uh, my youtube uh channel link is inside the twitter bio you can get in for that we've got all sorts of stuff coming up let me start here with kind of uh a little bit of if it's a welcome to some of you who are new here of a couple of different things number one you can jump on board some of the recent episodes. Had a chance last week to chat with Steve Phillips and Buck Martinez and Brendan Burke, the voice of the Islanders. Had a great conversation with him and Howie Rose, talking Mets, among other things. Also uh, chatted with Jason Stark. Had a great conversation with him about the mystery of the infield dirt. If you don't know what that is, as a baseball fan, my whole life and a lifer, I didn't even know the issue with the infield dirt. You'll find out about that. We'll talk about the new rules and more. You can check that episode out as well. All sorts of other ones today on the podcast this afternoon. I've got two new episodes coming your way. Conversation, I'm calling it Podcasting with the Enemy. I've had fun watching uh, some of my uh, friends in the industry who cover the Braves, trolling Met fans and vice versa and the battle over trumpets. So my guy, Mark Bowman, will join me. We'll talk about all sorts of things with that. And uh, my good friend and... Uh, I, you know, one of the, the funniest people involved in the game of baseball and it's best and most sincere people. My guy, Ned Yost, is going to join me for an episode as well. Coming up, both of those will be out this afternoon everywhere where you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, etc. You could jump on Twitter, join the Unfiltered Revolution and Believe Network. You got to believe B-L-E-A-V. Uh, wanted to hit a bunch of things this morning. You can interact with me on Twitter along the way. I will uh, check if you want to uh, reply in here, any questions that you have or anything that you want to hit me up on. You certainly can do that and uh, we can, uh, you know, chat about it anything you want, but I've got a few things I want to hit this morning, and I want to start with Aaron Judge, and I'll do some NFL as well today, but I want to start with baseball and start with, with Aaron Judge and what he is accomplishing. Very close to being in front in all three phases of the Triple Crown, a bet-on-me kind of season where so many guys grip the bat too tight, try and do too much, and they do that sometimes in, with no offense to any cities, the middle of nowhere, and it's difficult because they've got future and family and pride and money and everything else on the line. This guy's doing this in New York. And with no offense to the hat I'm wearing, he's doing it for the Yankees. And sitting there and playing dynamite outfield, being representative of what you would want in terms of a professional athlete, humble human, despite the size and stature physically, and now sitting there with 58 and 59 in the books yesterday. I've had a hard time with this MVP race, I'll be honest, in, in this respect. I've always believed that the MVP should be tied to somebody who is playing for a winning team. I used to say years ago on the air, and now some of you youngins won't even recognize or understand this reference, but I used to say years ago on the air, Nobody cares who the most valued employee at Enron is or whatever debunked company you want to use. Nobody cares. 
doesn't matter. It's about being the most valuable player on a team that wins, on a team that makes an impact, on a team that makes a difference in this sport. That's what it's all about. And that's how I kind of thought the MVP was. And I voted for the MVP a couple times in, and had a vote in the NBA, but never in, in baseball. So it's just you know my own thoughts. But that's how it always was. Now, there are a couple of things that can happen that can supersede that, that can get a pitcher a Cy Young award that's already set aside to then get in the MVP or could get somebody in a losing team in that category. And that is if there is not a viable, a dominant, a real candidate who is playing for a team that's got a chance to win. If there is nobody who is playing for a team that's got a chance to win that has been dominant and there is a crazy, miraculous, historic season from a pitcher that's fine for me, and I'm all for MVP. I remember years ago when Verlander won it, I remember being, I don't even remember what year that was, thinking back now on the fly. So you could tweet me, I don't even know. But I remember being on the air that year, and at the time, I think about these names, but it was Jacoby Ellsbury and Jose Bautista and Curtis Granderson. Those were the kind of guys who were in the mix in the American League at the time. And they all had subpar Septembers and finishes, and Verlander was brilliant, and it just became an easier conversation. There was the year with Kershaw where I remember Stanton was having an unbelievable year and went down with the Marlins with an injury. It opened the door. You want to give me the A-Rod year when he's in last place and say, okay, it was so dominant comparatively, then okay, maybe. But beyond that, I've always been a MVP has to come from a winning team. One of the problems that this league has had, and I've talked about this ad nauseum over the course of the years when I was over at XM, and I'm still doing it now, and that is the fact that you've got a Hank Aaron Award that is tied to the best offensive player. you got a Hank Aaron Award that is tied to a name that is as honored and revered as anyone in this sport. And this isn't a game just about offense, and Hank wasn't just about hitting home runs. Why not elevate that award to be a most outstanding player, a player of the year award, and then split the awards where, okay, you can then recognize, and I don't care if it's, a lot of people say, well, what are you going to do? Give it to Otani every year? I, I don't care if he gets it every year. By the way, Hall of Famers and unicorns and the best to ever do it. Nobody stopped giving Cy Youngs to Roger Clemens or stopped giving MVPs to Barry Bonds or to Michael Jordan or whoever else. When you're at that level and you're the best of the best, you're the top of the line, even in the Hall of Fame Avenue, you're the top of that line. You could, I don't care how many times you win. But then it allows Otani, no matter what team he plays for, for us to say and to recognize that, hey, look, they're no player doing what he's doing. Having a fantastic season as a starter and then putting up numbers where even if it was solely just for his offense, he'd be sitting there in the top five MVP race just for that alone, even on a bad team. Nobody doing that. So then you could say, okay, well, we're going to give most outstanding player or player of the year to that guy. And then we can go ahead and we can honor and give the award for MVP most valuable to somebody who's doing it, carrying a team like the Yankees in a city like New York, with the pressure that they have, betting on himself in a season in which he's going into free agency. And it's amazing that he's doing all of this, even if he was just locked up on a 10-year deal or was in the midst of one, it wouldn't matter what he's doing 
is historic. What he's doing with what's around him is historic. That's another part to me that has always been part of this MVP race. It's about splitting votes, and I'll go to the National League, right? You know, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, and Goldie very well may win it. But for me, there's always something, and, and I don't know why, you know, I tend to resonate this way. I'm sure a lot of you do. You can tweet me at Casey Stern. Let me know if it's just me. But I think a lot of people resonate to, like, you know, we always give the manager of the year, right, to the manager who did the most with the least or carried a team that wasn't supposed to get you know where. It's always that way, whether that's right or wrong. Well, for me, for an MVP, if you're carrying and you're dragging a team that is at a high level from a team standpoint and it's all because of you, that's, that's a difference maker for me, people. And Aaron Judge, you know, with no offense to, and I like J.D., this version of, of Bringer Rain or Josh Donaldson, with no offense to, you know, Stanton, who obviously coming off an injury, right? So I'm not saying that there wasn't one that was at play here. But there's nobody else on this team who really has been that good. Rizzo, exception, but he was out. And for how many weeks are you sitting there, you're looking at the lineup, you're like, why is anybody pitching to Aaron Judge at all? Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense to pitch to him at all. That's carrying a team. That's carrying a team at a high level. That's carrying a team in New York. That's carrying a team in an AL East where the Jays certainly haven't gone away. Neither did the Rays. Came all the way down to three and a half out and cut the gap that much. That's carrying a team, people. There's not much else you could ask for. That's the shame of it for Otani, and that's why I hope, look, it's a reactionary world. It's a reactionary sport. We know that. But maybe, maybe it's time for two awards. Maybe the reason is Otani. I don't know. But that's what makes it hard, is that Otani is a unicorn. You want to value and respect and give love for what he's done. Could nobody ever done it? The guy's not even human. What he is doing is not even human. He's a cyborg. He's a creative player. You can't do what he's doing and make it look as easy as he's making it. But Aaron Judge is at an MVP in any year, whether it's, you know, a Tani, a lefty, a righty, a venditti. It doesn't matter who, what position or what's what they're doing because he has carried this. Team. This is not a Yankee team with seven, eight stars in the lineup. He just one of the dudes. He's the dude. He's the only dude. Getting big hits left and right, big home runs in these series. I mean, you know, I, I laugh, and I like Stephen A. I go back a few weeks ago when you know, Stephen A. Smith, you know, uh, to me got caught a little bit with his pants down, talking about baseball and telling me about Aaron Judge going 0 for 4 last night. How dare he? I mean, are we serious? Aaron Judge has been the dude. Not a dude on a Yankee squad that usually has many of them. He's been the dude. Amazing what he's done. want to say this about the the historic nature of where he's at, and now this, this bringing back of this conversation of, like, what is it? I've seen writers, even people I respect in the industry, who said, okay, he's about to break the record. He's not breaking the record. Because whether you like it or not, Barry Bonds has the record. Whether you believe that Barry Bonds did it legitimately or not, Barry Bonds has the record. And unless you could tell me that you're going to change that, and that's going to be changed, Barry Bonds has the mark. He's also, by the way, the answer to the following question I have asked literally over the last 20 years covering this, hundreds of players, hundreds, who have played with or against Barry Bonds. Many of them who 
think he was guilty, don't like what he did, don't like what it stood for, necessarily didn't like him, whether they were a teammate or an opposing player. But I asked the question, who's the best player he ever played with or against? And you know what? Literally 100, not even the three people in Family Feud, where it says, what's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning? And they say, you know what? Scratch my ass. Like That's not on the list. The 100 out of 100, said Barry Bonds. He got the record. Enough. By the way, it's still a pretty big deal if he passes Ruth and Maris. It's still a pretty big deal if he says that he's the AL home run king, which, by the way, kind of a big thing. Let's not sit there and dilute all the greatness of what he's achieving by making it a conversation about what he's achieving, because that's what we do, and that's not right. He, he's going to break the AL mark. He's going to sit there in that spot that is, it is, I mean, it is rarefied air. Maybe even win a triple crown, win an MVP, and he's doing it all in a walk year. Can we just respect that without talking about what Barry Bonds did or didn't do? Because guess what? He got the record, and if you're not going to change it, and none of you can change it, then it is what it is. Get over it. Honestly, at this point, just get over it. That conversation's over. Now, you could say, hey, in my mind, dot, 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 that's fine. You know, so-and-so won the Academy Award for whatever, but I thought this guy should have won it. Okay, well, in your mind, that guy was the best actor. Doesn't change the fact that in the record book, he won. You're not giving him another Oscar, are you? You're not taking the other one away, are you? Well, you're not doing that here either. Not doing that here either. Regardless of Barry Bonds and what he did or what he stood for or what you like or what you didn't, that's the mark. But what Aaron Judge is about to do is historic and, I mean, good for him. And, and betting on himself the way he did at that kind of money in New York, I mean, that ain't that is not easy. So I've always said, you know, people people get this get part of this right and part of this wrong all the time when they talk about, you know, guys who can hack it in New York. Hey, guess what? It's a real thing. There are a lot of overblown things like trumpets. All right. This is a real thing. There are a lot of dudes who can't do it. There are a lot of guys who go from small markets and they can't do it. There are guys who you got to give a lot of credit who adjust to it and figure it out. Tino Martinez with the Yankees. Carlos Beltran after the first year. Forget the Wainwright at bat. I get it. But after that, Edwin Diaz right now. Francisco Lindor right now. Then there are guys. It's not just New York. It's Boston and Philly, too, in this sport. Dallas in football. Montreal in hockey, etc. But there are guys like Carl Crawford who look like he forgot how to play when he went from Tampa Bay to Boston. That, that's a real thing. For, but the mentality that it takes to do it, you don't have to be some brash, crazy mentality. You've got to have enough balance and confidence in yourself that all of that noise around you not going to affect you. That's easier said than done, people. Aaron Judge doing it. Give the guy credit. He's doing it. By the way, speaking of recent episodes, before I move on from Judge, you can catch, uh, catch my conversation with Matt Holiday, friend and uh, former teammate of Judge, who had a, a great story about um, in the episode that I did with him about a week ago telling me about telling his wife after a couple of days in spring training that Aaron Judge was was the way he called it, like a video game player, like it wasn't even real, and predicting that he hit 48 to 58 home runs a year. So, look, I think when we're sitting there and we're being honest with ourselves about where we are with Aaron Judge, can we just enjoy it? It's amazing theater. It's great baseball and good for him. Speaking of which, sometimes you don't get into the theater because of a lot of things that dilute the story. And Framber Valdez is in this category. 
25 consecutive, 25. I mean, one season, that's nuts. 25 consecutive quality starts. You're giving your team a chance to win, which is an overrated thing that everybody gets kind of tagged on them literally every five days. And by the way, probably does not hurt him to sit there and be around Verlander as much as he has been and to learn what it takes in between those starts to be consistent in that matter. But because of Verlander, he obviously gets forgotten a little bit because there's no race in the West, because the Astros have been so good, because everybody is sitting there, forget about just getting a buy. We're giving them a buy into the LCS. I mean, everybody's saying, okay, the Astros, maybe even in the World Series, who's going to beat them? I still think the Jays are maybe the dangerous team of the AL, which maybe me surprise some people to have a chance maybe to knock this team off if things go right and they pitch the way they're capable with Manoa and Gosman. I like I like something about the way the Jays are putting this together that I think it may be one of those seasons where the irony of, of you change your manager, everybody kind of getting on you and your own fan base and saying, oh, you didn't do enough of the deadline and then look where you are. I know yesterday they didn't get a chance to, to cut it shorter than that four and a half they got to in the division, but I think they're dangerous. But regardless, whether it's them or Seattle or the Yankees or the Guardians or the, the White Sox got in or whoever, right, or the Rays, they're going to be teams that take shots at the Astros, but everybody's just kind of making it a given that Houston's going to get there. Because of that, nobody really paying attention to anything that's going on. Also, even though Framber Valdez is a pitcher, do I have to remind you about all the other reasons people don't pay attention to things the Astros do or care? Well, lost in all of that is what Valdez has become and what he's done. A story of a guy who people are, you know, go back a couple of postseasons when he coming on in the landscape making big starts and people were at a, it was surprising to a lot of people. He was not somebody who was pegged from, you know, this wasn't Thor, you know, being in New York at the time, it was like, you know, before it even happened, it was like from day one, it was like, okay, this is where you're supposed to go or Matt Harvey, right? Like this was not a thing. And it's a real thing. And congrats to, to him. I mean, unbelievable accomplishment for Framber Valdez. Max Scherzer returns to the mound tonight against the Brewers. Mets uh, magic number is two. They get a win in this series at any point. For example, tonight, considering the Brewers are attached to that magic number right now to get into the postseason, and the Mets will clinch a playoff spot. Met fans are remembering, finally, that they're getting into the playoffs. I love speaking of a conversation with Howie Rose said to me, and you know he's right. If nobody's on it, somebody should go make the, t- the T-shirts. Um, but he said that, uh, you know, I was asking him about the craziness of Mets Twitter which I will discuss with Mark Bowman in our conversation this afternoon and Braves Twitter and have some fun with that. But I was asking Howie about Mets Twitter, and he said that somebody had written him about how just, you know, at wit's end they were before this pirate series, and he responded, don't jump, you'll miss the postseason. I love that. It is a great shirt idea. For the Mets fans who are just nuts. I mean, they got so overloaded with like, you know, insanity and anxiety over whether or not a trumpet should be attached to their player, a Braves player, or their Braves fans allowed to play the trumpet. I mean, who in the hell cares? They got off the mat. They win four in a row. Yeah, you should beat the Pirates. Yeah, the Pirates played Little League Baseball defensively yesterday. Yeah, they almost blew it in DeGrom. You know, Jake was, look, 86 uh, Ks, four walks this season. But an ERA under two, his last 100 starts at 197. That's pretty good. But, you know, he gave the home run to O'Neill Cruz, who's fantastic to watch and, and a dynamic young talent with a lot of power. And then you find a way to win anyway. You sweep ball four and you stay where you need to be. Strider did his job, was brilliant. The Braves get their wins and away you go. I mean, eventually we're getting towards September 30th where these two teams are going to face each other down here in Atlanta, motto a motto, and get at it for three days. And that's going to determine the division. 
Now, if you're a Braves fan, you're excited about that being a possibility because even though you lost three out of four, could have been all four, in New York, you won four out of five when it was here. So if, if home has mattered that much in those two series, and we know how the Mets have played at City Field, they've been terrific, then that's going to help certainly bode well for the Braves sitting there September 30th when they play those three games. But it's gonna, the division's coming down to those three games. That's that's just the way it is. And it was going to be that way no matter what. It's going to be it, – it just you just know. Yeah, Braves are playing the Nationals six of the next ten games. The Mets have a little bit of a harder schedule. The Brewers are a good team. they got a lot to play for. It, it, it may pop back at, you know, to half a game ahead this way. Uh, the Mets may be a game and a half ahead. The Mets may be even with the Braves. It's going to be within three. It's going to come down to those three games, and that's just the way it is. Now, by the way, the irony of what has happened to the Mets this season, it would be just like this year's version of the Mets for them to take a two-game lead again, you know, after that series and then in the final three games of the year, lose the next two to make the last game of the season matter somehow against, I think, the Nationals they play. But, that, you know, regardless, coming down to September 30th for sure. So if you don't want to drive yourselves nuts and give yourselves a heart attack, if you're a fan of the Mets or the Braves, Find a way to simulate, like you're sitting there playing MLB The Show, simulate the next 11 days of your life of fandom. Forget about the sport. Don't pay attention to any goddamn thing that you hear of or pay attention to any games that are played because in 11 days you're going to be sitting here right in the painful spot you're in now with the division up for grabs. That's just the way it is. It's going to be a blast. It'll be fun. I'm looking forward to being at those games down here in Atlanta. It's going to be a, it's going to be a scene for sure. I want to hit some NFL before I get out the door here. A couple of quick things. First of all, you know, I I, I root for bad teams uh, my whole life. I've Jeez. The Islanders, uh, the Knicks, and the Mets will give you a lot of pain. The one saving grace I've always had with a lot of my friends, and especially being from Long Island, where they used to, you know, Jets have always trained at Hofstra, is always like that tie of like the Mets and the Jets and the Long Island natives just being restless and being in misery, while the people at the Garden, you know, whether it's with the Rangers, at least make making attempts better than the Islanders have over many years, right? We're not chanting 1940 anymore since 1994. Uh, you sit there and you think about, you know, the, the Giants being a Giant fan for me <clears throat> has been, you know, incredibly rewarding, regardless of what's happened, not being 500 uh, from 2016 until the win at the beginning of the season. And by the way, the Giants 2-0, and leave that at the door here for now. Didn't play great. Gano hits four field goals. You do enough. Big play by Daniel Jones in that third down, and you get it done. But how about the Jets? I mean, you know, the Jets and the Browns is like, you know, I, I know we look at the Browns differently because we think about the, the, the Deshaun situation. And we think about, uh, you know, where we are in terms of, um, you know, what kind of a, a scenario we have with, you know, how good the team was supposed to be with Baker Mayfield and all of that, right? But the Browns and the Jets have a lot in common, do they not? I mean, how many Browns fans have felt that element of Jet thing? I mean, these two, it's like the gatekeeper and the key master. We got to get them together. Well, everything kind of colliding in that situation yesterday. Everything colliding in that situation in that fourth quarter. Where even people who covered the Jets and people who were getting on the Jets during the fourth quarter for how bad they were playing and just how awful things were. They had to shut their mouths because the Browns open up the door. And then Joe Flacco, of all people, goes, you know, I mean, you at 37 years old, finding the fountain of youth and looking like 2013 Joe Flacco down the sideline. And away you go. 
Away you go. They got a couple of dynamic, you know, obviously, you know, between Hall and Wilson, they got a couple of dynamic rookies. I think if you're a Jet fan, you got to get excited about. Obviously, you want to see the other Wilson back in there and you want to see how it's all going to work out in a season where you grow. But you got to be, you, uh, you know, happier than a pig you know where if you're sitting there and you're a Jet fan. But for a Browns fan, what a disgrace. How about the Bengals? If you're a Bengals fan, my God, after everything coming into the year and, and the way last year ended, now you're 0-2. Cooper Rush, who the hell is that? Really, the Cowboys, no Dak Prescott, you can't win anyway? That's that's a nightmare. The Colts is just an embarrassment yesterday. The Ravens, the way they blew it to Tua, who had not Tua, but Tua times three with six uh, touchdowns. So great NFL football yesterday, some great finishes and some good stuff with that. We will have lots uh, more coming up here on Unfiltered. You can always jump in, even uh, when I do these lives. And feel free to thank you, Coach Charlie, for the comment. I appreciate it. You can comment along the way here. You can respond on Twitter, anything you want. I'm getting into some more top 10 lists, and we're going to do some more of those down the road. I know people have enjoyed them. So, uh, you know, fire away any kind of ideas of top 10s. I've already done one and had a show dedicated to uh, an idea from Jason in Albany who had asked me to do the top 10 most memorable uh, New York moments of my lifetime. So I did that. We'll have all sorts of stuff. Also, the Life Pod, if you haven't caught those, I've already done six or seven of them. For me, this Unfiltered Revolution is about much more than sports. It's much more important than sports. That's kind of where my life is at right now. I love what I do. But in this chapter of my life, it's really important about you know sharing experiences and learning how to grow and learning from things that I've gone through um, from as a person, as a father, as a teammate, as a friend, or as a son, all of that. So I share a lot of that in the life pod and people have been really cool kind of, you know, getting their own experiences and sharing them back with me. So feel free to continue doing that. You can obviously do it for the first time if you want by easily getting on Apple, Spotify and subscribing, getting into my Twitter bio here at Casey Stern and jumping on the YouTube channel and go watch the videos this afternoon. Conversation with Mark Bowman. Battle of the Trumpets, podcasting with the enemy, and a conversation with my guy, Ned Yost, who if you have not heard Ned and I, people who listen to XM over the years can tell you our conversations are pretty bananas. I don't know how much baseball will be in between and amidst all the hilarity, but he is one of the funnier guys around. It is uh, not at all a surprise that he is friends with Larry the Cable Guy and Jeff Foxworthy because he has had a lot of comedy that has rubbed off on him. He's a terrific dude, obviously two-time AL uh, champ and a World Series champ with the Kansas City Royals. We'll talk to him about the postseason and much more. Follow all of those. Follow along with me. Jump on board the revolution at uh, Believe You Gotta Believe, B-L-E. AV. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.